This is a Federal News Network podcast. Title II of the Code of Federal Regulations is getting its first comprehensive update in seven years. No eye rolls. You should care, and here's why. This part of the CFR tells agencies how to handle more than $500 billion a year in funding to state, local, nonprofit, and academia organizations. It's the grant-making regulations. For what the administration hopes to accomplish, Executive Editor Jason Miller spoke with the Chief of the Management Controls and Assistance Branch in the Office of Federal Financial Management at OMB, Victoria Collin. There were really three goals for doing this rewrite and three policy objectives we hope to accomplish. The first is to advance the president's management agenda's goal of more results-oriented accountability for federal grants. And you may have seen that come out in February of 2018. There are a couple different strategies associated with it. You can see all the details on performance.gov. But there are a number of policy objectives that we're trying to advance that are kind of found throughout the guidance that taken together, we hope will change the framework and really shift the balance where we know that grantees report spending about 40% of their time on compliance-related activities associated with managing grants. And we know that that's not the most efficient way to manage these taxpayer dollars. So really our goal, first and foremost, is to comb through the suite of guidance and find opportunities to shift that balance so that grantees can be truly focused on achieving the mission and uh, ultimately the purpose of their award. The second reason we undertook these changes is to implement a number of statutory requirements that have passed since the guidance was first released. One that I know people are paying particular attention to that recently passed is the GRADE Act, and we're really excited about that one because it also aims to do a number of things that would reduce administrative burden on recipients. So that's probably a big one, but there are a number of other statutory changes in there as well. And then the final is to make some of the key clarifications where, you know, over the years since the guidance passed, we've gotten a number of questions from grantees about areas where the guidance was unclear or it might have created administrative burden that was unintended. And so we took the opportunity to comb through and kind of clean up some of those technical nits that were inadvertently causing trouble. I want to go back to this piece that you mentioned at first, which is uh, grantees are spending about 40% of their time on compliance activities. Now, if they're spending their time, that means they're spending money. So a grant that's a million dollars, maybe not $400,000 of it is spent on administrative, but it's a lot of time, a lot of effort. What are some of the ways that this rewrite is addressing that issue with uh, reducing compliance? It's a really tough nut to crack. And I think part of the reason why we have such an overwhelming focus on compliance requirements historically is because we actually haven't done a great job figuring out how to hold grantees responsible for actually achieving the outcome of the award. And so one of the areas where we really had to put some thinking in is to is to craft some language that actually gives us the tools and um, policies and controls in place to, to be more proactive about identifying the outcome goals, designing our programs accordingly, setting that up 
in the very beginning of the grant process from the time that we're issuing a notice of a funding announcement and following that through the life cycle of the award so that you know the notice of funding announcement has clear goals articulated and the reporting requirements are aligned to those goals and agencies are able to hold recipients accountable for achieving those goals. And once we've done that, we can give agencies much more flexibility to structure the terms and conditions of any given award based on the risk that may be associated with a particular recipient and based on that particular recipient's performance. So the dream at a very high level is that one day there will be a world where for recipients who are low risk, who've demonstrated financial management competencies, and also who are high performing, that agencies can give those grant recipients an award where the terms and conditions are much more streamlined in order to enable them to focus their time and effort on achieving the mission and far less time on the compliance requirements that would otherwise be so distracting and burdensome. And I won't go into all of them right now, but there are actually a suite of changes kind of incrementally throughout the guidance that all taken together drive towards that goal. Perhaps the most prominent and noticeable of which is a new section on program design, which you would think that uh, grant making agencies take the time to design their programs intentionally, but there's actually never been any guidance about that in OMB guidance before. And so there's a new section in there that's complemented by proposed flexibilities about developing the terms and conditions awards that would hopefully start to kickstart that effort. You mentioned the GREAT Act. I can also see the Evidence-Based Policymaking Act having some influence on this. And then you mentioned, obviously, the President's Management Agenda. Is all of that kind of driving toward this nirvana that you outlined that maybe is three, five, ten years away, but getting grantees and agencies to think more about outcomes versus outputs, is is that the the road you're on? Yes, that is absolutely the road we're on. That's absolutely the goal. And I mentioned a couple of examples of the way we're driving towards that focus more on outcomes of the award. And you're right that the GREAT Act is also a big part of that, as is the Foundations of Evidence-Making Policy Act. And we worked very closely with the colleagues who are implementing both to make sure that our guidance aligned with all the work that agencies are separately doing to establish learning agendas and have evidence officers and really make sure that they are aligning their grant-making activities to all of those strategic objectives. And at the same time, we know that a ton of administrative burden stems from the antiquated systems and the proliferation of systems that grantees are required to do to input all that data. And so we know that by implementing the GREAT Act and coming up with standards for grants reporting and being able to create updated, modernized digital tools that make use of those standards, we'll also be able to reduce a lot of the administrative burden associated with the, with grants right now. You bring up one of my favorite topics, you know, shared services, which is something that we've seen over the years. We, we started off with this idea of grants.gov back in the you know, Bush administration when they talked about e-government. Uh, I know that the Obama folks and, and the Bush folks started down the path of a grants shared services. Does this also build on this, that concept, meaning you mentioned legacy systems and standards? Again, this is part of that path to get to a place that maybe grants.gov is, is a little better, is a little easier to use, is can lift that administrative burden off grant and grant-making agencies. 
Yep. We've provided HHS with an interim designation to be that quality service provider, building, of course, on their expertise and their work managing grants.gov. We're working with them very closely to understand what that role might look like and what sorts of services they could provide, at least in an initial sense, that would help to alleviate that burden. You know, OMB has been working probably for the past three years with HHS and others to think about what those initial standards might look like. And in October, we actually published our first round of standards for grants. So those are now up, and we're starting to think about how to implement them. And in fact, in the uniform guidance proposal, there is language that would require all of grant recipient reporting to align to those standards. So actually already moving forward on a number of the requirements that are in the GREAT Act that would help to achieve that mission of reducing recipient burden. What is the timeline to implement these standards? The more granular version of that question and the first, of course, kind of pressing deadline is the uniform guidance itself. We're also welcoming people to join our community of practice, which is up on performance.gov, which will be a place for continued stakeholder engagement and outreach around not just the uniform guidance, but also the continuing development of standards. We are hoping to finalize the uniform guidance by the end of 2020. Victoria Collin is the chief of the Management Controls and Assistance Branch in the Office of Federal Financial Management at the Office of Management and Budget. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.